0: Hi, I'm Jamie. Hi again. Hi. Would you please stand for the reading of the word? This will be reading from John 3, 1 through 21. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases, and you hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it's coming from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And do do you not understand these things? that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been seen or has been done in the sight of God. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. Lord, we pray to you and and thank you that You've given us this testimony, this word, that we need to be born again. Every one of us looks upon you as our Savior, Lord. That's the only way. And you tell us we must be born again. So, Lord, we come to you humbly asking you to show us what that means, asking you to give light into these words that we might understand you and your ways. We praise you, Lord, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and God's people shouted. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. We are going to look at one of my favorite stories in the Bible today, the story that was just read about Nicodemus, this guy that comes to Jesus at night. I remember studying this when I was in high school. My youth pastor took us through the book of John, looking at all these stories. And this continued theme that I will share with us today, we're on this series about encountering Jesus, is that Jesus encountered people along his ministry while he he was earthly living with us, and these encounters are still happening today. We can encounter the resurrected Lord and know him and learn from him, and think about these words that Jesus told Nicodemus. Point number one this morning, if you're taking notes either mentally or with paper, point number one is you must be born Again, that's what Jesus tells Nicodemus. So let's lean in to this story. Let's look at it. Chapter three, verse one says, there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. Your Bible might say Sanhedrin, same thing. And he came to Jesus at what time of day? at night. This is part of the story. Every commentary, I've had a couple weeks to look at this. I wasn't here last week or the week before. I was in Minnesota, soda, uh, with my wife's family. So Brett was preaching, and I got a couple weeks to look at this text and look at commentaries, and every single one of them that I found says something about it being night, that this is important, that Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night. Is he trying to hide something? Is he trying to secretively come? Is he trying to come when no one else would see him? All those things are a possibility here he's coming to Jesus at night and it's not like us going somewhere at night you know we just get in the car and we go somewhere in the ancient world if you've ever been to a third world country where there's no power anybody ever been to uh Mexico or I've been to Nepal or China or uh India Haiti even you go to these places where there's no electricity when it turns night you don't go out that's it's dangerous out you don't do that Nicodemus does that here. He comes to Jesus at night. What in the world is going on here? This story, I'll come back to this uh, here and there throughout the sermon, but chapter three is Nicodemus coming to Jesus night, at night. The next chapter, chapter four, is the story of the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well. And what time of day does that story happen? Noon, it says that. Good memory. We, we talked about that a couple weeks ago. So here's this woman who, we talked about this, is broken, had been married five times. We don't know the circumstances, but a very broken woman, the, the man she is with now is not her husband, won't even dignify her in getting married to her. And Jesus comes to this broken woman at noon, a time when you shouldn't be out getting water and doing manual labor and yet that's the time she's out and Jesus comes to her and says, I have living water for you. And Nicodemus, the time of day he comes to Jesus is at night. A very stark contrast in these two stories that we'll talk about a little bit more. But Nicodemus is a Pharisee. And I think everyone in here, even if you're not a churchgoer, you've probably heard the term Pharisee. And my boy, I have four little boys, and everybody in every story is either a good guy or a bad guy. And I think everyone in here would know that a Pharisee is a, probably a bad guy. Like, we, like if someone is like arguing with you and say, hey, you need to have your quiet time in the morning, not in the afternoon, not in the, not in the evening. You need to have your quiet time before breakfast, not after breakfast. You can't have your quiet time with coffee. Don't, don't, don't do that. You have to have your quiet time before the sun rises. You can't have it after the sun rises. You can't read the Bible before this or so that. You have to do it this way. You would say, bro, stop being a Pharisee, because we know the stories that Jesus told of Jesus interacting with the Pharisees, and usually they're calling the Pharisees out. So our culture as a Christian culture at our church, we we know these stories, and we would all say, oh yeah, Pharisee, bad guy. But Pharisee in the first century, they would have been the best guys. They would have been the good guys. It would be like asking kids today, is a firefighter a good guy or bad guy? Good guy. Is a pilot a good guy or bad guy. Good guy is your teacher. Good guy or bad guy? Good guy. Everyone knows this. <laughs> They're good guys. Everyone in the first century, if you'd have asked any of them, hey, is a Pharisee a good guy or a bad guy? They would have said, oh, the Pharisees are the best of guys. They are the religion scholars. Uh, Nicodemus is not just a Pharisee. He's a member of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish ruling council. He's a Pharisee that is rich. He's a ruler. He's respected. He's a man. He's, uh, uh, well, uh, it's just, he's got it all together. And he comes to Jesus at Night, a very interesting uh, story here was what's happening, and most of the commentaries I'm looking at have to say something about well, Nicodemus probably wasn't coming just because he personally was seeking, uh, because he would have come at the daytime. He was coming secretively, and he comes, and his first words are, uh, if you look at it, he says, "Rabbi, we." know that you're a teacher of the law. So he's not just coming to, you know, check on things for himself. He's coming, uh, some commentaries I looked at said, he's doing like a backroom politicking is what he's doing. He's coming to Jesus and saying, here's this ruling council, the Sanhedrin, this Jewish ruling council that he's a part of. And he's seeing Jesus uh, get followers and make it and people are following him. And he's coming to Jesus at night to do some politicking. Should we partner with Jesus and get his votes or should we kind of, make a a wall and not go with Jesus. He's trying to figure out what the Jewish ruling council should do with this guy named Jesus. And Jesus gets right to the heart of Nicodemus personally. He, If you've ever been in a conversation with a wise individual that you, you wanted to talk about this, this, and this, and they're a wise Christian prophetic person, they might say something so foundational right to your heart that you're like, I guess this stuff doesn't even matter anymore because you're speaking to me and, and I guess that doesn't even matter. What really matters is my heart and what's going on here. And Jesus tells him that he needs to be born again. Think about that. Here's chapter three in John. He tells Nicodemus, this ruling, rich leader, respected man, he needs to be born again. And the next story, the Samaritan woman at the well, this broken woman, Mrs. Broken, he tells her, do you want some living water? I have it for you. Think about this. Mr. Religion, he says, you need to be born again. Mrs. Broken, he says, would you like living water? The implication here, look at Jesus talking in verse chapter 3. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. The implication, if you're taking notes, either mentally or on your paper, is this. If I could summarize all of this sermon, it's this sentence, that we can be religious and not be born again. Another way to say that is we can be spiritual and not be born again. And this is something I need uh, to call out in myself. Like, I'm a pastor. I have this checkbox I could do. You know, I'm a pastor. I went to Bible school. I've done some good stuff. I have this checklist, but Jesus would tell me, you know, you need to be born again. I can think about people in this room. I'm going to call. If I call you out, it's because I honor you. And and and. But I was just thinking, Brett was here last week. Brett Davis. He he has this check. He he spoke at New Life Manager. He's just written a book on the Book of Revelation. Like he has this checkbooks. And 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 Brett would say and and believe and declare. Oh, he needs to be born. Again, I think about the volunteers, the leaders of this room. I think about Dan Glass or his wife, Danae. They have like the most attended, the best attendance record at New Life Manor. They've been here more than I have been. There she is. And they, a gold star, they have this checkbox, and they would agree. They would say, yeah, we need to be born again. Think about the shell hammers, John and Linda. They lead a grief ministry, helping people walk through the darkest moments in their life they they have seen the lord move and the lord uh work in their own lives and people's lives and and they would say we need to be born Again, I think of Tim in the back, shepherding and uh, keeping us safe. He, he volunteers. His wife is usually downstairs helping with the children's I ministry. Mean, they have all these check boxes that that they could check and say, "Oh, we, we've done that. We've been there. We've served the church." Jamie led worship and read scripture today. She's got check boxes, and she would agree. Like the the central portion of the gospel is that we need to be born again. You can't see the kingdom unless you're born again. Jesus tells this to someone who is in the business of judging people. That was his job. He would would look at the crimes, the things that people did, they would be brought in. And uh, Nicodemus was one of the people that was a part of this judicial system in the Jewish way. And it's interesting if any of you uh, know people who are in the judicial system or work at prisons or work in law enforcement, there can be. And we pray that this doesn't happen as believers. But there can be a us and them. Like, we're the good guys. We got it all together. And those are the bad guys. Those are the people that need to be born again. Those are the people in prison. And we have it all together. Nicodemus would be in that category. If he's got it all together. And those poor prisoners, those bad guys, they need to be born again. And Jesus is saying, no, Nicodemus, to see the kingdom of God, you need to be born again. And the stories, the gospel stories show us that thieves and prostitutes and sinners are getting into the kingdom of God before the religious leaders, before the Pharisees. Why? Well, because we all need to be born again. And it's, it's the detriment of those of us that are religious, and I'm pointing at myself to say, oh, well, we got it all together. You know, we, we got these checkboxes that we can do. It's like, no, 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 no. We all need to be Born again. Jesus points this out. Verse 10, he even says, You're Israel's teacher, Jesus said. And you do not understand these things? He's poking at Nicodemus, saying, You know, how is it that you don't understand this? You need to be born again. This leads us into the most popular verse in all of the Bible, in my opinion, I guess, is John 3 16, which brings us to this next sermon point. Point two is this For God so loved the world. Jesus talks to Nicodemus, says, you need to be born again. And, and, and Nicodemus and Jesus have this conversation. And he's, he leads into this very famous verse by talking about a story of Moses and some snakes. Do you know the story? You really have to be a, a Bible nerd to know the story. It's in Numbers chapter 21. There's some snakes and there's the people of Israel and there's Moses. And it's a six verse story where the people are once again complaining like they've been taken out of Egypt, out of slavery. They were slaves, they've been set free, and yet they have stuff to complain about. It's like, oh, we had food, we had, we had graves in Egypt we could have died in, and we could have done, you know, we had all this in Egypt. And it's like, no, you didn't. You were slaves. Now you've been set free. The people of God are complaining against God and complaining against Moses. And what's more, there's these snakes biting the people. They're poisonous snakes and people are dying and yet God has grace and mercy on these people and tells Moses, take one of these snakes, Moses takes it and bronzes it or something and lifts it up and when the people of God are bitten because of their complaining and because of their, this is like a test sent to them, these snakes, the grace of God says lift up this snake when you look at it, kind of remembering your your own sin, when you look at it you will be saved from the poison. And Jesus says this in verse 14. He says, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of God must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life. We're going to sing a song as we do communion in just a few minutes that says, uh, The Son of God high and lifted up. Is that the words? Jesus is saying this. Just like that, the snake that was lifted up. Remember your own sin, Lift lift that snake up and the poison that the snake bit you with, that, that'll go away and you'll be healed. Just like that. The son of man, the son of God on the cross, lift it up. Look at him. Look at your own life and, and the the things uh, that that you know you can't live up to, and you will believe in him as you look at him being lifted up and you will have eternal life you'll be born again, which leads us right to this verse 16. Say it with me if you know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have a life. Isn't that great news? I mean, it's a it's a verse so many of you obviously know. You, you said it with me, and it could be one of those verses like, oh, we've heard this verse again. It's cliche. It's It's overused well it's cliche and it's overused because it's the best verse it's, it's the simplicity of the gospel that whosoever who who can believe and have eternal life the whosoever's that's you the whosoever's whosoever believes isn't that great news that whoever believes can have eternal life can be born again our society is 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 not a fan of of jesus and being born again and giving our life to jesus there's there's mockery that happens oh those christians those born again christians and their craziness and some of us are crazy i admit that um But what we believe is very different than what society says. Society, the secular world, the non-Christian world, says two things. It says there is a problem. The human condition, we have a problem, and it can be solved. Society says. So this is society, the non-Christian world, says if you really want the answer to the human condition what you really need to, need to do is to keep on trying. Like keep trying, pull yourself up by the bootstraps. It doesn't even make sense, um, but pull yourself up. And this is the land of America, second chances, and, and the home of the, the, you know, you just keep, you know, whatever. you are you, free. We can do whatever we want. You want to be a fireman? Be a fireman. You want to be the president? Be the president. You could do anything you want if you just keep trying and trying harder and harder. And that's a very different message than Jesus saying, no, really, to, be, to see the kingdom, to see how life really is. The real answer to the human condition is that you need to be born again. My friend Glenn Packiam, the pastor of New Life Downtown, has a beautiful analogy. Uh, it's it's a, like a cringe, cringe analogy for this. So this, this. What society says, keep trying, just keep trying. You, you know, you, society says you'll get better, self-help yourself, pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Uh, imagine yourself in a classroom and the teacher calls you up. <gasps> some of you are already just starting to sweat because that was you at some point. The teacher calls you up to the, the some of you, everybody remember a blackboard? Um, t- anybody remember the whiteboards? <laughs> the, the younger people. So, teacher calls you up to the board, whatever color it is, and there's a math problem up there. And your heart just sinks. And you go up there, there's this long math problem. You have no idea what to do. And you're up there and you're sweating. And the teacher said, oh, just go ahead. Just try. Just try. And so you, you take the whatever and you start writing some numbers. And you kind of get to a solution. And you look over at the teacher and she says... Well, bad news and good news. Bad news is, this is wrong. This is horribly wrong. And the whole class just starts giggling. You're just like, oh gosh, sweating. Face is turning red. But the teacher says, good news. And she she wipes away your numbers, leaving up the answer, leaving up the problem still. And she says, but good news, you get to try again. (laughs) Is that good news? (laughs) That's horrible news. And this is the end, like society's answer to the problem of the human condition is just keep trying, just keep trying. But the end of that is no, we can't try hard enough. Jesus' solution is to be born again. The other thing society says so, the, the society that we live in, uh, the, the world around us, and maybe it's just kind of the secular, uh, non Christian society keep trying, keep trying, keep trying. The other thing uh, that is said, and wrongly, is just accept yourself as you are, love yourself, be prideful of yourself, you know, matter, you know, just just love where you are. And that is like, well, that kind of denies that there is, in fact, the problem of the human condition and sin. It's, it's uh, like saying to a kid, hey, I know you're an F-plus student, but just, you know, stay there. Accept that you are an F-plus student. It's like, no, you, you, you encourage kids. You know, try. You do want to try harder. Don't just accept yourself. Some people might say, well, you know, you're in the mud. You're in the mire. Pigs love the mud and the mire. Just accept it. And it's like, no, we're not pigs. We are called to a destiny, and Jesus loves us. And the beautiful, wonderful thing It's radical. It's to be born again, to set aside the old nature, to receive a new nature, to set aside the old self, and to receive a new self. This is what it means to be born again. The last point is this. Jesus' advent is for us. The word advent has a double, triple meaning. Of course, the first meaning is the season that we are in right now. We are in the season of Advent. Did you know that? Uh, today, if on the uh, Western calendar, church uh, today begins the four Sundays of Advent. The Eastern church calendar, it started a little while ago. There's 40 days before Christmas. However you look at it, whatever uh, church traditions you have, this is the season leading up to Christmas. This is Advent. And Advent, the Latin word means, anybody know? coming. It means the arrival of. And so we celebrate this season of Advent in that we look back. Here's one meeting. We look back and say, Jesus has come. And we also look forward to Jesus coming and arriving again. And so this is the season of Advent. And Jesus' Advent, Jesus' coming, is for us. We can receive the kingdom. We can see the kingdom if we're born again, and there's there's this nuance to be said that, of of course, his kingdom has not come, we're still waiting and hoping, but if we're born again, we can get a glimpse of it, we can get a taste of it now, before it fully comes, the phrase, already, but not yet. I think about, like, in the kitchen, And my mom, who's here, she used to bake a lot. And as a kid, your mom's baking cookies and you get to lick the spoon. And I don't think anybody in here ever got sick because of a raw egg, right? Don't raise your hand, no one. You get, as a kid, you get to lick the spoon and the bowl even, and the beater things, yes. And who cares about the raw egg? It's delicious. You get to taste of the kingdom of God before. The cookies are done, if that makes any sense at all. Thank you. So what are we going to do with this word to us? Jesus tells Nicodemus, he must be born again. And we could say, oh yeah, that was Nicodemus. He needs to be born again. But we need to be born again. And this is a word that is shared with all of us, each and every single one of us. I'm pointing at myself. We need to be born again. Nicodemus, we see him later. Do you know this? We see him uh, two other times in the book of John, and they're both really good stories. They both lead me to believe this guy heard Jesus saying he needed to be born again, and he received this message that he needed to be born again. My personal opinion, I hope to prove that to you. But a couple chapters later, so this is chapter 3. A couple chapters later, John 7, verse 50, Nicodemus is in a, the council of the Jewish ruling council, the Sanhedrin, and they're talking about, why didn't the guards bring in Jesus? We need to question this man. We need to send this man to prison. And Nicodemus stands up amongst his own people, amongst these other rulers. Verse 50 in chapter 7 says, Nicodemus who had gone to Jesus earlier, in case you were confused about which Nicodemus, he's the same one, who was one of their own. So he's one of their own number. He's one of the Jewish ruling people, asks, does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he has been doing? So two things here. Nicodemus is standing up for Jesus, saying, we can't just arrest somebody. We can't just you know, haul someone into prison. We, we, let's let's uh, hear him first. And another thing here is he he's, he says like let, let's hear what he's doing I think obviously Nicodemus heard something that night he came to Jesus, and he's hearing it, and he's marinating on these words where Jesus tells him he must be born again. He's, he's telling everyone, shouldn't we hear what he's saying? Shouldn't we watch and listen to the things he has been doing? Nicodemus is stirring these things in his heart because finally, towards the end of this gospel, John twenty or John 19, verse 38, says this, as a little mention of Nicodemus later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus, so Jesus has died on the cross, his body's taken down. Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body. Now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretively, because he feared the Jews with Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. verse 39 He was accompanied by Nicodemus. in case you don't know. Who this Nicodemus was, or if you're confused, which Nicodemus it was. It even says the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. So it's, it's once again it's referring to this darkness. And Nicodemus came in the darkness secretively because he didn't want to be known. He didn't, uh, we, we don't know exactly. He just came to Jesus at night, and here it is, daytime. And Nicodemus is associating himself with Jesus. And Nicodemus even does this. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. I'm sorry, how many pounds? (laughs) Is that a lot? Think about like a bag of concrete. Like, like how big was this 75 pound bag of myrrh and aloes? It just wild, this guy, Nicodemus, probably an old man, a rich man, a respected man, dragging a bag of myrrh and aloes, 75 pounds, through town in the daytime. This is not the same Nicodemus we saw secretively coming at night. Here's a man with a mission carrying this huge bag. And the commentaries on this, I was like, like they were measuring the cost of these 75 pounds of myrrh and aloes in years' salaries. Like, there's really no one that I read. Maybe you could find it, Google it. Uh, took a stab at like how many thousands or hundreds of thousands uh, of dollars this bag, 75 pound bag of myrrh and aloes would be worth if it was in today's time. Who knows? It was it was priceless. It some of the commentaries saying this might have been Nicodemus' whole savings plan bought in these spices, bringing them through town to Jesus' dead body. And verse 40 says, taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen. Here's Nicodemus, this picture of Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea taking this costly uh, bag of spices that one commentary said this was probably enough to embalm 50, 100 people taking this uh, bag of spices fit for a king to embalm Jesus' body, and both of them doing a work normally in that society reserved for women only. And they're, they're doing this act because they, uh, I don't know, because they love Jesus, maybe because they were born again. I think about this act of, of the women's work. Um, I had some roommates years ago, before I met Erica, we, we were, uh, there's like five guys living in a house. We loved each other, all Christian dudes, great house. And we would just relentlessly tease each other like guys do when they're living in close quarters. And my joke would, I would always find one of them like doing the dishes and he'd look at Ryan doing his women's work. And he'd oh, come on, man, this ain't, just some of these dishes are your dishes. I'm not going to do it. He'd just get so frazzled. It was just like, come on, man. I took a picture of another roommate vacuuming one time and <laughs> it's I'm older now. I wouldn't do that. I realized that's sexist. That's misogynistic. I'm older. I've, I've grown. I wouldn't do that. I took a picture of a roommate roommate uh, of him vacuuming, printed it out, and I said, so-and-so doing women's work, and put it on the fridge, and he came home and saw it. come on. He ripping it up and throwing it down, and here's this story of this rich man, Nicodemus, a ruler, a judge. Uh, someone who's well-respected and rich and had it all together. Here he is bringing potentially his life savings in order to embalm Jesus' body, doing work in the day that anyone can see him doing, and he's wrapping Jesus' dead body in spices. So what will you do with this Jesus' advent that he has come, that he is coming again. This this Jesus pointing to all of us and saying, to see the kingdom of God, you need to be born again. Jesus did not come to give us helpful rules. Jesus did not come to say, keep trying, try harder. Jesus did not come to say, you need to self-help yourself. Jesus came and said, to see the kingdom of God, to be a part of his ways, you need to be born again. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to read for us these most famous verses. If you're part of the band, you can come forward. If you're serving communion, you can come forward and prepare the table. And if you want, you can bow your head. We're going to put these words on the screen as well for you to read along. They're the words that so many of us know, and now we know the full context of where they fell in Scripture Think about this light and dark thing that's going on in chapter 3. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so so that it may be seen plainly that what has been done has been done in the sight of God.